everyone this is founders 365 i'm stephen hagty we are interviewing a founder every single day of 2020 and today we have mr tom noble who did a very noble deed in stepping in at the last second and getting Great that to be in here no worries at the end. um cool so tom is the founder of os ofs clothing and uh it doesn't stand for anything apparently it just formed out of other people but Tom, please tell me what OFS Clothing is, what you do, where you do it, and why you do it. Right, so OFS Clothing is a company that creates custom sportswear. I started in the kayaking market because I used to be a big kayaker myself and still am. And I used to row as well. So there are these two markets. And I, I wanted to start a company coming out of, um, well, out of university. I went down a, a, the track of just just finding a job there was nothing really that entrepreneurial about me back then um i went and became an accountant and whilst i was there i sort of sat behind a desk up in an oxford building and sort of just wanted a bit more out of life so i saw these people starting companies because i was an accountant doing their accounts and because of all the social media you see i saw everyone going out and like doing what they wanted all that sort of thing and i thought well i don't want this to be the rest of my life just sat behind a desk so i want to go out and actually start something myself and create my own job and create my own life so i decided that it was time to look into at least starting a company so i could get some freedom so looking at the kayaking market i sort of i sort of found my niche there i started making rash vests oh it's like, it's like show and tell i started <laughs> making rash vests so i made this where it is so i yeah, started making yeah. custom rash vests for teams nice. so this is for southampton jesters and so I did, I did a, it's a sport called canoe polo. It's a five on five team and it's, it's team wear basically. So I, I made the rash vests for that. The ones that we had initially were pretty low quality. It's such a niche sport. So no one really cared. Yeah. So I put a bit of time and effort into making these things. And uh, it all sort of went from there. And I do most of the universities for that niche sport. But what I, the, the market I'm going for is rowing like, like this dude here, if you haven't noticed him. So rowing's a much bigger market, um, yeah. and it's there's more products in it, and it's it's just more popular than canoe polo. I would love to do canoe polo, all like for the the majority of my company, but it's just so small. It's just yeah. so niche. So I expanded to that, and then from there, sort of going into fitness and yoga soon um, to be confirmed at some point. And small yeah, yoga. that's sort of it. Did that answer your question? What were the other the other questions <laughs> in there already? It did. My, the biggest the biggest thing for me is, especially as you, you're actually the second guest who was an accountant and didn't want to become an accountant anymore and started a business. So talk me through how that transition went from sitting at that desk in Oxford to the thought process you had of going, you know what, I'm going to do it. Did you take the leap or was it a gradual uh, sort of overtaking aspect? To be honest, so I was, um, I was an accountant and then sort of started this on the side and mm -hmm. I was outsourcing back then and I didn't really make much money and it was a real real slow start I moved back in with yeah. the parents so there was like no outgoings um when you've got no outgoings there's really not much pressure and mm -hmm. I quite like my family so like <laughs> it was all going smoothly I was back here I was doing a bit of work and like it wasn't really going anywhere and then it well no, it was but it was just it was just quite so there's no pressure to go out and sell yeah so I did that for a while and that was like six months and then the supplier that I used they had to shut down. Mm -hmm. So they shut down the business and I had to make a decision like, what do I do? Because I do these niche products in such low orders, like five, 
I can't be sending everything out to China or the East or anywhere like that. And even like insourcing to the UK would be a massive issue because yeah. you'd buy it for the price that you sold it. So after thinking about what do I do, I just I decided to took out a loan and bought the machines off her. Learned to sew myself. And I just, yeah, like the machine behind me, I just sewed, I started sewing everything myself. So from going from not, not doing much to then taking this on again, it was a, a big step up. Fast forward on another year, like things kept growing and growing. And then, yeah, I've, I've, I've been sewing all the time. It's really hard to find someone to sew here. And I've managed to do it all myself so far. But yeah, just demands going, growing. And it got to a point in November, I was like 250 orders behind. Wow. I managed to get all of them done. I mean, yeah, don't, don't ever do this. No one should do this. <laughs> this is the bad advice for segment. Uh, terrible advice, but like, I hope, I hope someone else does it because like, if, if they do it, it shows that like they're in it because I, yeah, yeah. I was in it and I have and I know everything about products now. Yeah. Like, I've, I've sewed everything in here. I've sewed. I must have wow. sewed over 5,000 garments by now. Jesus. So I know absolutely every single thing about my garments. I designed yeah. them all from scratch myself. Um, I selected a lot of fabrics. They're all printed. I got a printer just over there and a heat press outside. So everything is done here. And the only thing that I don't do is um, sublimate the fabric. Yeah. So yeah, it's an utter nightmare, but I've got every single process locked down. But now it's to scale. Like everyone always says, you need to scale. I'm like, well, obviously, yeah, I, I know that. But, <laughs> you, uh, you mean you don't want to be making 250 garments a month for the rest of your life? That's something you know, sewing is actually not that bad. It's, it's pretty therapeutic. You can yeah. put a podcast on or what you can actually watch a film. So. Yeah. I could potentially do this the rest of my life if I wanted to, but I'm going to aim a little bit higher. Yeah, and maybe maybe middle management. Who knows? You've got you've got more in you, man. You've got more in. I you. think I do. So yeah, yeah and, and then I think I've got to go on from there. Yeah, go on from there. So now you so you've been going two years. You've you've put yourself in the in the trenches. You know you've learned how to sew. You've been doing 250 garments at a time. That sort of thing now everyone's telling you to do the growth stage for you what's that growth stage look like where do you want this to go where where is o ofs heading in your eyes so i always have like a picture in my mind of what i've wanted it's i want to have a factory here but like that's looking less and less likely each day because i've been looking for labor for a long time mm -hmm. um i don't do all this because i love sewing i do it because it's really genuinely really hard to to find anywhere in the UK that would do it for the, mm -hmm. the, the price that I want it because it would wipe out all margin. Yeah. So I want to grow my own factory. What the area I live in the Cotswolds, that's the sort of place people go to retire, not to, mm -hmm. to, to look for this sort of job. And even up in like Leicester, uh, Bradford, all that sort of places, it, it would still be it would be massive for me to then go up there with nothing and start again. Well, not start mm -hmm. again, I take the brand with me. Yeah. But to just get up, put a lease down get a place as well i go from having no outgoings to so much mm. and it would be really complicated that that's one of the things that is on the list to do if, if i can't find staff here so i want to grow a factory here but it, i i do fully appreciate that probably that might not happen if anyone's going to do it it will be me i'll still try to do it but we'll see but the, the dream is to do that and, it, and if yeah. not then there there there's other variations on the dream i guess um, I'd love to have a factory and have a nice little mezzanine standing over, looking down, like everyone's there. I, I want it to be a good place to work. I want yeah. the reason sewing is leaving is because of everywhere in the east, but it's, it's not cool. It's not a yeah. cool job anymore. But I but I'd like to make it cool again. I I, mm. I see it as like a, a cool factory with um where it's everyone's paid fair. 
Yeah. Like they're treated well. You got you got the 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 pool table. You got all that sort of thing. Yeah. And if that doesn't happen, then I get the same thing, just like it will just be an office space and it will all be outsourced somewhere. Yeah. I don't want to go to China, it'll probably be in, in Europe somewhere at least. Yeah. But uh, that's that's sort of the aim. That's where I want to go with it. And why is it such a struggle, do you think, to find the workforce that you're looking for in the UK? Is it because it's not cool or just is it an unskilled labour that's happening? Oh, I'll tell you one thing. Sewing is a skilled job. Oh, yeah. That's don't worry. Three years. And my, it's... Mother was a, my mother's an upholsterer for her whole life. So I grew Good up. Job. Is she looking for a job? Nah, she lives in France. So. Oh, well. oh, okay. Fair <laughs> enough. It's warm out there. Yeah. Um, I think it, it's... It's a load of things. The the manufacturing industry left a long time ago, and then there, mm. there's never been really any demand for skills um, of that nature. Yeah. Um, there's no younger people um, don't really want to do it because, like, if you speak to anyone who's gone through like a fashion degree, they want to make one garment that goes down a catwalk. They don't want to make um, like two garments an hour. Yeah. It's, they don't want to get into like a manufacturing role. So there's no young talent. The older people are retiring. Mm-hmm. and um there are still a lot of people out there that, that want to do it um, and there actually are younger people that want to do it as well but it's just finding them yeah. it's hard to like romance someone into doing sewing when they're not doing it already and if they're mm-hmm. doing it already they've probably got a job somewhere so it's just hard to find the people and in, yeah. in this area specifically but yeah th- there are some up north it i i i i, I ran a search to um like a, a cv database and like halifax is the place to go okay so, I like it down here. <laughs> you like it in the Cotswolds, oh, that's the yeah. thing. Down here. The but no, I, th- there are, it, it'll have to go that somewhere that, that way at some point. Yeah. But ideally, if I could find two people around here to come do it, that would, that would cover me for the next year. And what's the, what, and it is, is it just those facts that there's no, there's no one around there that's doing it? There are some, but it's just hard to find the people. Yeah. I mean, I've only really started looking um, in, the, in the past few months when it really became an issue yeah. and we're looking at Christmas time and it's only now that people like new year, new me, they're yeah. starting to look again. I think anyway. So yeah. I've started rolling out the ads and uh, we'll see. And what difference do you think it would make in, to your business, bringing on, bringing on new stuff? Oh, game changing. I mean, the amount, like what I've managed to do so far, like creating a brand and make everything by hand myself, like it's ridiculous uh, oh, what, I, what I've done. And it, it's just so like a load of work. But as soon as I get someone on these machines, I then become the salesman mm-hmm. and the marketer as well. And that's kind of where my skills lie, okay. I think, anyway. So, so much more. Yeah. And when you say, because that's the that's the interesting bit, isn't it? A lot of founders they start off as a one man band, and they obviously start start employing people, and your role naturally has to change. So like you said, yeah. you just, oh, you know, I, I wish I had some someone to someone to come on board with me, like to share the load. It's it's been tough as a, a sole founder, like real yeah. real hard because you you've got no one to run ideas off. Mm-hmm. Like I've 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 gone down a million tangents, and some of them have ended up just ridiculous. Like I'd, I'd want to be a canoe polo shop selling canoe polo balls, and like I've still got I them. Mean, that, that sounds like a very very niche sector there. Do you want you want to buy some? Uh, do a deal. Oh, oh really? Quick, drop a lot online now. <laughs> no, I, I use them sometimes anyway, so they're still upstairs, and yeah. like it, it's stuff like that. 
Um, there's just like loads of prototypes and everything that I've trying to try to go down. Like naturally, I'm a I'm a creator. I, I make things, mm -hmm. and I just have so many wild dreams that I chase, and just someone to say, "Don't do them." I've sort of learned now to shine. If you have an idea, write it down. And if you still mm -hmm. think the same way in a week or two, then it's all right, or you'll just get over it. And I yeah. usually just get over most of them. So it's taken time, but yeah, I, I wish I'd have had a team or have a team, and it'll yeah. come with time. But it's it's been tough. Why didn't you go down the co-founder route, finding someone to do it with? Oh, I've always looked. Um, I've got a few people in mind, but I've, I've, I've looked. Let's just yeah. say that. <laughs> I've just yeah. Not the right fit at the moment. Yeah, not the right fit at the moment. Yeah. What, what do you think have been some of the, other than the staff issues and uh, the, the fact that you're one-man band, you're limited by time in terms of how much you can make a day, what other hurdles have you come across in the last two years to get to where you are now ready for this? Because it sounds like you're literally on that clups, clups of massive growth. Like you're just waiting for to find that, find that fit and then you'll be off. I would say those two things are, are it really. Um, mm -hmm. I only really post on Instagram. I used to just post on Instagram like twice a week and that yeah. was my marketing. So I would just ramp that up. I'd go across every platform. I'm switching to pre-made products, um, still along the lines of like high high design. Yeah, and I'm I'm holding that back because if it does go as well as I think it will, or well, I, I still get orders in through the teams that I do, and that's yeah. growing. I still get leads in through that. It's like the whole thing's growing, but I have to hold back on the projects that I've got waiting to go. Yeah, because I don't want to. And like, sure, I can make it all, but I'd rather not. To be honest, it's it's when I was making when I was 250 behind, like that was all I did every single so hour every day. And I, I hated it. Mm. it. I can I can deal with like 10 a day, but when I get to that level, it's it was ridiculous. Yeah, so that's, quite, that's an interesting point because you know, if you a lot of people put their everything into what they're doing, and which is great, but when you're in that situation when you're 250 orders deep. And you know that you're going to have to pull out the extra hours to get these done and delivered and sealed and all that kind of stuff. It's a really fine line between a lot of people at that stage will get to do do the work, sure, but they suddenly fall out of love with their own business. So I did, yeah. Like, yeah, I fell out of love with it at that stage, and I just, I that there has to be like an end vision, and it has to be, it has to look as though it's attainable. Yeah. Because like if, when I was at that stage, I was making so much I hated it. Like I'm happy to work 100, percent but I'm not. I don't want to go like 120. Yeah. Um, then once that happens, it's not fun anymore. And if I'm not mm -hmm. having fun doing it, I don't really want to do it. Like I everything just... I've learned so far, I could take anywhere. Really, I've created a brand. I've I can do anything in product, uh, clothing, product design. Anyway, yeah. I could go anywhere with it. And and that is also pretty dangerous because you you. Because I, I want to do this, but mm -hmm. when it gets to the point where I'm like pushing myself, then I yeah I do I start to lose love with it. But I got over that, and now I'm back in love with it, so it's all good. So I, I'm really careful about pushing myself to the limit now, yeah. Because I know that yeah, it's a dark place. Mm. How did you go over it? Time. I just took Same. Christmas off. Ah, oh, fair. I enough. literally just I I didn't answer any emails or anything for a week. Yeah. The first day was hard, but then the second day was easier, and then I just read a book. Yeah. And then family came around and 
Well, I live with the family, so <laughs> the other family came around. They're always around. They're always around. They're always around. So I, yeah, I just shut off. Yeah. And then I was thinking, like, oh, I should probably go back to the business. I do quite enjoy it. It's time to really step things up. So and, and I took the time off. I, I unwound, and then yeah, the solutions started coming. You, yeah. Some people say they have create, they get their creativity, and they do more work under pressure. But you've got to be like mentally free, I think, to to be more creative. Massive. So it was nice to have that, and uh, it was just much easier to think. Yeah, because you, you don't want to get to that stage where you're hating it and you're getting yeah. burnt out and you're you know dreading to come into the the office every day. Uh, that's the worst scenario you can come into. So yeah. you have to allow yourself to take that time out, reassess. Not even like reassess. Sometimes it's literally just like you said, stop put put out of office on, do something else. Allow your mind to refocus because especially with what you do a lot of your time when you're making these things is staring down or you know with a movie in the background but staring at the same bit of kit or the the same piece of cloth so it's a very repetitive um motion isn't it uh, one of the biggest problems for me is like when i go from sewing to answering an email to marketing to something else and mm. it's those switches between everything if you're doing one thing all day, that's great, and you can really get the ball rolling. But when you're switching around so quickly, you're not working as efficiently as possible, really. Yeah. And it's just, and then you're thinking about something else, and it's 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 a mishmash, yeah. and that is also a bit of a problem. So I, I I've learned with it. Like it, it's been two years now, and uh, I have my processes. I do some things at some times, and I think about them a little bit. But I I just as soon as you you just get too much going on you're too stressed then it all starts to fall apart so you've yeah, got to be you've got to be careful with it now and you have to create those boundaries for yourself and your business a lot of people think when they work for themselves hey i can work anytime i want but actually if you don't have those boundaries you end up not overworking but again like starting to hate what you do um but here's a question for you why is it so important to you to make the stuff yourself keep it in the uk for as long as possible when a lot of other people will probably say to you do just you know get it made in china half the price get it shipped just focus on sales because this is my pride and joy this this kit here <laughs> is made from the finest italian fabrics with the finest stitching all made completely like i can make that personal sizing like everything that's gone into that, like it, that's two years worth of work there. And if I ship that off, there's no guarantee that it would come back exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Like I've, I've had samples. I have looked down that route quite a bit, but everything that comes back always is just not what I want. And there's yeah. also like the, the, the lead times that come into it. Um, there's the quality I mentioned and the, the price. Like those are things to, to consider, mm -hmm. but like there is really no reason why I can't do it here yeah there's there's not some big barrier stopping me the, the numbers work out and they work out fine they work out really well in fact so it's just it's so doable sending everything overseas is icy is given up a little bit because mm. like, it, it can be done here like i've got everything i've got the factory here i just need one or two people that can sew yeah. so like I've, I've basically done it already and it's there's no big there's nothing really stopping me it's just so if I to send it all overseas, I can do what you do, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Simple as that, really. So there isn't. So there is not. So I was expecting an answer to be like, no, I want to keep it British. I want to keep it in the UK. But actually, that's it's, a plus. 
that is a plus. I don't really market down that, but that's I. So I studied sustainability for yeah. for three four years, and the biggest thing that pissed me off is like greenwashing and people saying like just over hyping mm. for like sustainability and make it British and stuff. Like some people will put like take their buy the stuff from China, put a British logo in it, and that's made in British. Yeah, this yeah. is all made in British, but I'm not selling because it's made in British. Like it, it works out to be here. Like, yeah, there's really no reason why it shouldn't be here. I'm not like overpricing it, saying it's all made in British. Yeah, it's nice it's made in British, but it's, I'm not doing it for that reason. I'm doing it because it just, it just makes sense to do it here. Yeah, and if the numbers stack up, why not? The numbers work. Yeah, people saying they have to, you have to charge like really high amounts to have it made here. It's not true. You, why do you think that's a? Why do you think that's a common thing that people get said? Why do you think that's almost like a myth then? Because people like to make like luxury clothing, I guess, and they mm -hmm. charge it really highly, and then say, "Oh, it's finally crafted in Britain." I guess I, I don't really know. I I don't know too many people within the clothing industry, to be honest, because everything is so yeah. self-contained. I know people in the sportswear side of things, and they're they're sort of, sort of similar to me. But down like luxury fashion, I don't really know too many people down that way, so I, I can't really say. Not up in the Cotswold. They are actually in the Cotswold is probably the best place for it, but I don't really know any around here. <laughs> It's uh, it's super interesting. So for OFS, you know, on this brink of growth, what else is going to come up for you in, in 2020? You mentioned that you want to expand on some product lines. What else is happening in terms of your plan at the moment? So I'm actually starting another company against um, everyone's advice because <laughs> the reason for it is I've, I've learned so much doing what I do. And like what I've created is a, is a bit of a monster. Mm -hmm. There's like... 5,000 SKUs at least, because I have all these products, all the different colorways across different sizes. Like this all in one, I do it in extra small to extra large. And inside each of them, there's three variations. I don't do maths very well to so do the maths on that, but there's all those SKUs. And then that's across all these different products. For like one club, I'll do six products. And then I do uh, 50 clubs. So it's just insane. There's so yeah. much. So from all of this stuff I've done, I've sort of, realized like there's so if i'd start again i wouldn't do this it's like it's a different thing I, a different way i'd go with it so i also all this creativity and i i plow into doing this like when all these tangents i go on i want something that i can put more creativity into so that i don't like ruin what i've done yeah so i've got a new project that i'm starting which i'm also documenting on linkedin and instagram because you know it'd be nice to grow a following because as I'm sure you know, it does help with a lot. So I've yeah. started this side project as well, documenting that on LinkedIn, seeing where it goes. And that is doing um, big, big-sized art prints. Okay. So like big scale. Ugh. And more show and tell here. I'm glad you asked because I've got one <laughs> right here. So Oh, wow, that's awesome. For anyone listening, it's a landscape. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot. We have to do like audio description as well. It's a big landscape. That's a Bryce Canyon in America. So there sort of go. big prints like that. Um, I'm I'm doing a bit of work already for some companies. So it's yeah. I haven't even got a, a name or a logo, but I've already got a few people I'm doing some stuff Amazing. for. Because yeah, I'm taking all the stuff, all the marketing knowledge that I've I've, I've uh, amassed over the years, putting it all into that, doing it the like as streamlined as possible, mm -hmm. just to see what comes of it really. Yeah, and I I don't spend much time on it at all because like I do have this stuff to make. But that's 
yeah, that, that's what I do in my spare time. That's another thing I've got going on. So right. two things at the moment. Side hustle. Your side hustle. It's a, it's a side hustle. Of um, your main hustle. A side hustle of my main hustle. So it, it's kind of the creativity because yeah. I put all my, like all the th a lot of thinking into the, the new um, print project. And that sort of, when I come back to OFS, I think, right, these are the processes, mm -hmm. nothing new, do what I've been doing. How can we make this more efficient? Instead of we need to change everything. This mm -hmm. way is better. Let's do that. Yeah, it, it's it's really been helping for that actually. So it's almost like you, it allows it gets you systemizing better. So when you bring on these new staff, it's more streamlined. You're saving money. You're saving time. You're discovering new things on perhaps your side hustle, which you can bring into your your main business. Um, I don't even yeah. want to say main business because you know both have such great potential. So you should, it was like a disservice if we push one above the other. Um, but what's really interesting is the fact that the, the reason you started the second one is to get that creative energy, like you said, to, to not ruin an itch, if anything. Yeah. And, but, not, but also not to ruin your main one. No, I've come so far with this one and yeah. I love it. So I don't want it to, I don't want each to take away from each other. And the prints mm. actually use the same equipment. So it was. A match made in heaven. Yeah. What do you what do you think has been some of the the biggest lessons for you over the past two years that you reflective back you wish you could have done or you wish you could have done better? It's tough because I'm 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 glad I am where I am. Yeah. Like I've learned so much and you have to go through some mistakes to get where you are. Oh god, I've gone through so many. I can barely remember them to be honest, but I'm, I just want to say, like, I'm glad that where, where I am, where I am, and yeah. all the skills I've learned. Like, I'm really glad I did it. But if I was to do it again, mm. I would make one product. Yeah, one product and Very sell that. Brand. One product, build a personal brand around it, and then stick stick to that because it's it's complicated when mm. it comes to making a lot of things. Like I did a design with one of my rash vests for Nottingham University, and inside that was the canoe club. And I made a, a set for 20 people. And then one guy was called something O'Neill. And instead of one L, I put two. I had to redo that. And that took two weeks and cost me extra. So, yeah. like, even down to that level, that you have to, there's so much attention to detail. And if that's me doing it, who is like fully invested in this, if that goes to someone else, you're going to have a massive problem. Mm. So, I've created this hugely complicated system. And I mean, you have I to do it in to change it. Pardon, sorry. And do you think you're too far in to change that now? Uh, no, I've I've sort of I've patched over. Um, yeah, there are things in place now to to uh, to fix that. But even going through that, that was a massive that was a massive stress at the time. And mm. then to actually go through and, and fix that problem took a lot of time as well. Yeah. So it's just so much time in fixing problems from the complexity that I've created for myself. Yeah. So it's a problem, child, but it all works now. You love it either way. You love it anyway. Oh, problems, they're always going to happen. Yeah, if exactly. anything, if a problem happens, you can then improve on that so that the whole thing, system gets better. Yeah. A lot of people so, fear yeah. the problem, fear the, fear the problem or fear the failure. And you need these lessons, like you said, to get exactly where you are today. If you, it's, When you look back, it, it's always so weird when you start looking back and you go, actually, if, if that didn't happen, that if that mistake didn't happen or that decision didn't happen, I wouldn't be 
you know sat here today or or doing what you're doing now uh, which i always find so fascinating it's a big dark hole you can go down i do hate the people that say i love failing yeah fail forward because like no one likes failing come on but no. there are obviously merits to to, to having problems and solving them like mm. one of my machines broke and i was i was broke down it was terrible but then i fixed it and actually and it was all good the fact that it broke down meant that i fixed it and i actually learned a lot more about that machine and then the stitching became a lot better afterwards okay. and now i know exactly how that machine works so yeah yeah whilst it, i didn't want it to happen originally like the outcome was mm. was quite good so that was a good situation although sometimes some things have broke down and stayed broke so <laughs> he's like that's not i, I didn't love that failure yeah i'll just get rid of that product line right now uh, we don't need to do that it's, exactly it's so it, it's case by case you just got to be real about it yeah that's the main thing yeah and have you you know there's a big thing in the industry well not in it might in not in the industry but in online at the moment linkedin facebook i don't know if you see but a big push on like mentorship have you gone down that road have you gone down sort of any accelerator groups or anything like that i never went through any accelerator or had any help because i just didn't see how they would help yeah there's a lot of people out there like so for help on funding like mm -hmm. local council funding they either wanted me to be this size which was far too big or they would like match fund two grand yeah. And to be honest, the paperwork it's not and all the time, time away for two grand, that's really not worth my time. Yeah. So that there's no point in that. Um accelerators, everyone loves tech these days. Yeah. Who wants uh who wants this weird little clothing company? So no one would have me anyway. Um I spoke to a few people and they they just <laughs> were interested, to be honest. <laughs> so and I for all the people I got I got a load of mentors who help out. So yeah. it's not like I need um I never needed the money or anything. Mm -hmm. And I got the help anyway from people. So yeah. I didn't need an accelerator or anything, really. No, that's really interesting. And it's very interesting in the sense where you go where you said uh, you know, you're not a tech business. How how and like you said earlier, how do you make sewing cool? Um is it something that you're considering down going down in the you know in the future in terms of gaining investment? pushing down that path or are you are you trying to keep it as in-house as possible well I, the only reason i need investment is to buy more machinery and mm. more of a factory and to be honest at this level of manufacturing you've got to match supply and demand otherwise people are going to be yeah um, either overworked or um they're gonna have nothing to do and mm. once that supply is matched and you're matching all the way like why do you need the big injection of cash yeah that's so your you don't need it no. if, if you gave me a million pounds like what the hell would i do with that i've got no idea i'd buy a few ferraris or something or finally yeah, you're, parents house. You're, you'll finally get the instagram shot of you with the ferrari then it all started at the garage and now I've i can lease that ferrari now if i wanted to yeah exactly <laughs> but no, that's quite refreshing because one thing I, that comes up in my work and when i speak to founders and speak to them about investment stuff i would probably say a good 60 percent of them need the investment but the 40 percent just do not need it they they're not set up for it their their business can survive very well without it and actually probably better without it because you as a founder like you said you know everything about this business you know how the machines work you know how the cloth feels you know everything so if you got that injection of cash your whole relationship with your own business will change 
it will you know you'll be having external pressures all that kind of stuff so it's not always a good route to go down it would be nice like don't get me wrong if i had some money i know what i'd do with it i get some staff but and but like i don't i don't see myself needing it right now yeah it's i wouldn't be able to i wouldn't be able to work it out very well Mm. so i don't really need to do it so (laughs) i don't want the investment if i can't find people to work here yeah what's the what's that money going to do i'll pay them an insane amount of money that's not sustainable yeah i need to find the people first before and then i can afford to pay them anyway so like i don't it it just wouldn't work out i'm not a tech company developing an app i don't need to pay the devs so So going on demand exactly organic 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 growth sewn garments on demand made in the Cotswold. I don't exactly. know what we'd call it, but hey, that's that's a million pound app right there. Don't worry. We've got you covered. Um I don't know what I'd make an app for, so <laughs> I don't know. Maybe uh what's kayaking near you? Is that an app? You know, uh, someone like... tried to do that. Oh damn they did it didn't it didn't work out. No. So I'm not gonna do that. It, it's make something. an app. Yeah. Why not? Gotta grow my social profile first and go yeah. to the gym a bit, then I'll get yeah. that brandy off my protein as well. There you go. Hashtag sponsored. Um, I wish. I wish. Uh, Listen, I've asked every single person so far, but what are three, to end on, what are three lessons or learnings that you can tell other founders that may be in a similar position as you? um, So either they don't make, I mean, it would be a very niche position if they're in the exact same position as you, but similar position um, to help them along their journey. Throwing you under Uh, the bus. I'm not a quick thinker, I'll be honest. Firstly, right, you just got to do it because no one does it. I, everyone, a lot of people come to me and say, oh, I love what you're doing, Tom. I'm thinking of doing this. I'm like, okay, great. I'm, I'll help you out. I'll, I'll, I can sit you down. I can talk you through everything. No one does because no yeah. one actually wants to do it. Everyone's got their idea for a tech company. Everyone wants to make a clothing line. No one does it. Everyone says they yeah. want to do it, so you, you just got to do it. Um, and reach people out. People are afraid of that hard work as well. I think they are, or they don't know how to do it. I, I don't yeah. really know, but no one's ever going to know how to do it. And things don't have to be perfect; they really don't. No. Like with this the print thing, I've sold one already. I don't have a website or a name. Like I just went to people and said, "Do you want to buy one?" Yeah. Um. So, I'm I'm kind of doing it to prove that as well. So another thing is my, my favorite saying of all time. Slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Don't rush into things. Do it slow. Do it. Do it smoothly. Yeah. And it all starts to pick up. That's a great saying. And uh, your final one. I don't know. <laughs> Just make something really profounder on the spot. Last oh, uh, Gary V quote: "You're gonna die." Oh yeah, there you go. You're gonna die. So just do it. <laughs> I think oh, that's wait, stupid. That no, dude. How long? Oh, how long have we got? Because. I want to ask you some questions. Oh, uh, yeah, go on then. Ask me some questions. Well, about this Founders 365 thing. Yeah, go what's, your, what's your aim with this? Good question, my friend. So this this all stemmed from... I wanted to do a podcast for a long time. Because it's uh, very ambitious because, like... It is. One person a day, that's that's hard. It is. That's real it hard. Is. Every, so a few right. people have called me crazy. Uh, and a few people have just been like, nah, it's not going to work. Uh, which, which is nice. It's, it's external motivation for me. 
But for I me, I really like it when people say I can't do stuff. Yeah, me too. I it's really like, do. Oh, actually, I probably can do it, and there's no real reason. You know, I need I only need to find 360, technically 366 people to speak to in one year. Um, so with, there with are, founders, though, it's hard. I've I've got a route. So I, I run um. You know a lot. I run a network, a founders network. I run, you know, all my clients are founders. So I'm in a position which I've set myself up for greater success than if it was like Joe Bloggs, anyone. Uh, But one of the reasons I started it was because I wanted to start a podcast for ages. Like last year, I wanted to start one called the Founders Podcast, but I just couldn't get aligned with anything I, I wanted to put out there as value, right? I was like, I knew podcast was a great way to just speak to people and and get your name out there. Obviously, it's a great marketing tool. But when I thought up the founders podcast, I was just hitting in my head against the wall in terms of something I would be proud of to put out there and consistently do as well. Because I also didn't want something that I do like six episodes and then I never do it again. Because again, it's like, what's the point in that? Um, so in December. I decided that this year for me, one of my New Year's resolutions, even though some people say you shouldn't do them, whatever, I wanted 2020 to be uh, like a big thing for me to like um, develop better habits, like create habits for myself. So one of the things I wanted to do was interview someone every single day in 2020, because one, it's going to it's going to force me to get into like habit creation mode. Um, it's going to keep me externally accountable because like if I look on my calendar now, I've got pretty much every single day booked out for the next six weeks with interviews. Oh, so you? wow! Yeah. So you really planned it? Yeah. So well, cool. I said I, I I launched I came up with the idea and launched it probably within ten days, um, and that's me putting it out there, going, "Hey guys, I'm doing this." And then I have a couple of threads on Facebook with about two hundred people that want to be on, but I'm just screening them a little bit. Um, because I don't want the same person on every single podcast, right? You don't want uh, the guy who's just doing an ICO with his cryptos. Well, or on my yeah. platform. Some of those are pretty interesting, but if I had those every day, you know, come on, be a bit, bit boring. Um, so one, what that's one of the reasons I wanted to start this, and I found a lot of other podcasts. Um, of, like, I'm a big fan of podcasts, and a lot of them are really fantastic, but a lot of them were really homing down on you know, marketing area and, and like marketing sets. And everyone was just getting to that stage where they're saying the same thing and every podcast is like the same conversation. So this is an, oh. another great way to just be like, look, every conversation is going to be different. We all, like every founder has very similar experiences. You know, they start at some point, something that there's a catalyst that makes them start a business. They've gone through ups and downs, all that kind of stuff. But the context within each other's story is completely different. Like your story and the person yesterday's story completely different. The person tomorrow is completely different as well. So it's a really good insight for people listening and watching to get a massive overview of what it takes to be a founder, to go through investment rounds, to sell a business, all these other aspects. Um, and and I enjoy it, right? So my first You've one become a really good interviewer by the end. Yeah, of it. yeah, exactly. Sure. Right. My first one, I was so nervous, and I don't normally get nervous with cameras or I can like I've spoken on stages before that kind of stuff but I was so nervous because I think it was that it was like pulling the trigger on my own goal it's like okay I'm doing this Uh, it has to happen it has to work Uh, but I'm like you if someone says it's not going to work dude I'm going to make it I'm going to make it work 
That's why I had to come on because yeah. I didn't want you to fail on day six. <laughs> so if anyone doesn't know, Tom stood up last minute because the person that was meant to be on was sick and like completely understandable. She lost her voice, couldn't speak. I'm not going to make her do a podcast. That'd be awful. Uh, but I put a call out there and Tom was like, I'll do it. I'll stand up. And he was the knight in shining armour. Um, but yeah. No, oh, I don't I, know Stephen <laughs> at all. I've just seen him um, around the edges of LinkedIn. And I've seen this series. And I said, one, I said to myself, one day, you know, I might message and say I can do it towards the end. But you know, he said he needed someone. And I didn't see anyone reply. So I, I just did it. Oh, got to help out. Because people, no. it's like what I said earlier, you just got to do it. And you're yeah. doing it. So fair play. And I, I want to help you. No, I really appreciate that. And uh, I think, I, you know, I think I'm going to make it. I uh, don't see any reason why not. There's maybe a couple that might have to be like pre-recorded or something if I'm flying or anything like that. But other than that, uh, I, I'll do it. I'll do it. But you no. can pre-record quite a lot of them, to be honest. I would... Yeah, I, I thought about that. But I, I like... I quite like the pressure of being like, no, it has to be live. Well, can't you just record it and then just put the recording live? Yeah, you could. I've done kind of live. I used to do that with um, a couple of my Facebook lives, but you still have to be on your computer, checking it, ending it, starting it. So if you're doing all that and you're sat there watching it, you might as well just do it live, you know. If it works out, you're the expert. I'm just a simple seamstress. What do I know? <laughs> you're sewing my episodes together, though. You're Absolutely. The, any other questions for me, Tom? I like the questions on me. <laughs> no. Oh, I wish I'd written some down. Um, no. <laughs> I you, don't. Can, you can, I'll, I'll create like a text in service and you can just text in some questions in the, on a later date. That'd be fun. That would be really good. Um, where yeah. is this going out live on, by the way? So, Facebook. So, my Facebook page, my Facebook group, uh, the Founders 365 Facebook page, YouTube, Twitch, because look, I'm a modern man. And, um, and that's it. And then when I, I've, I've applied LinkedIn Live again. So when I go get approved for that, it will go straight to Oh, you've got to apply? Yeah, yeah, you've got to apply. It's, uh, but if you're constantly putting video out there, you're more likely to get applied. So I've, like, upped my video. Basically, half my content is video now, just so I try and get applied. But no, it's good. Listen, thank you so much, Tom. I really right. appreciate you coming on. Lastly, lastly, how can people connect with you? Because LinkedIn, I'm... LinkedIn. Active on LinkedIn, Instagram at Tom Noble1992. That's where I'm sort of documenting what I'm doing with this print business. Yeah. And I'm kind of showing everything I'm doing, um, except the financials. Um, <laughs> just to show that it's possible, basically. Yeah. Just show that I mean, I started this two days before New Year. I was gonna start on New Year, but like I was really excited and just started doing it. So I started two days before New Year. And just going through the process of uh, making the website at the moment talking about brand guidelines and how you create a brand and just the things that I've learned whilst doing it. And it's not hard. This stuff really isn't hard. You can learn it all yourself and it's just easy to do it. I'm just documenting that or yeah. trying to and keeping myself accountable. That's what I'm doing on Instagram to keep myself accountable. Yeah. Just so I don't look stupid. It's huge. You know, it's uh, and now I'm going to follow you on link on Instagram after this. So One even... follower. That's it. That's all I needed. That's the reason I'm here. One more follower every day. That's it. By the end of the year, you'll get 365 followers. That's the goal. I want right, 360, dude. actually. So oh, damn it. Five more. And you're done for you. you can retire for the year, for 2020. I need four and I'm done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, right, Tom. Thank you so much for coming on. This is. Can we to make you a print? 
Yeah, why not? Oh, you put it right there behind. Uh, we'll talk yeah. about it some other time. Yeah, we'll talk about it in a minute. But thanks yeah. so much for coming on. This has been Founders 365, Episode 6 with Tom Noble. Thank you very much.